Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Heart, Soul, and Roots podcast. I'm Tiffany Durr, and I have with me today... Hey, everybody. I'm Nicole. It's lovely to have you back. Yay! So we have an interesting topic today that is usually kind of taboo, so I'm excited to kind of bust that. How about you? Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that we talk about... I wouldn't say a lot. It's not like we're obsessed with this, (laughs) but it is something that women tend to talk about because we need to talk about it. We need a, we need to understand that it's a shared experience and, and it's a sacred experience that we all go through in one capacity or another. Um, So yeah, I'm really excited to bring this to the table. So I don't know if you want to introduce the topic for today, Tiffany. Yeah, we are going to talk about menstrual cycles. Yeah. So, um, there's something that, like we said, we've talked about a couple of times. It's just kind of come up. Um, and we felt like it was an important topic to bring to the table. So I guess, are you ready to dive in? Yeah, let's go. Let's, let's do it. (laughs) So, yeah. So I kind of wanted to start off by, by talking a little bit about my journey with my, with my cycle. And, and like I said, just before, obviously the experience is very different for, for anyone, for any female or, or anyone experiences that, that sort of cycle and men have their own cycles in a, in a different way. Um, So we're just relating to our known experiences in, in this episode. Um, Right. So for me, my journey really started when I was quite young. I was 11 years old when my journey started. Um, Yeah. (laughs) That is so young. I know, but I know that I know of kids today that are starting even earlier than that. Um, But that Mm -hmm. was, that was how my journey started. And I don't remember, I don't really remember it from, from the beginning. I mean, I remember the first day, the first bleed, but then after that, mm-hmm. it kind of developed into this really torturous process. And I can't remember how long that torture kind of took to develop. And when I say torture, mm-hmm. it was just so painful. It was so, mm-hmm. so painful. And I remember being in my school uniform and just kind of being almost sprawled out on the on the pavement, or as you guys call it, the sidewalk. Uh-huh. Just kind of not able to move, not able to stand up, not able to walk, not able to do anything. And at oh that point goodness. I was like 14 or 15 years old um, and it was just so painful. And for me, for years, it was like that. And I learned to the way that the way to deal with that was to take painkillers and to just cover it up and ignore mm-hmm. it. And, you know, kind of, okay, it's painful. So we don't deal with that. We just, you know, push it down and, and forget it's there and get on right. with our day and get on with our life as if nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. Um and part of my journey has also been, I, I went through a period of completely like anti any kind of chemical drugs or uh-huh. medicines or anything. So I went through a period of like, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to live this. I'm going to really experience it. And it was a really hard process. It was almost, it was hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, my partner at the time, he was just like, I can't, I can't watch you go through this. Cause it's just, I'd be out for like three days, just kind of on, on my bed, just screaming and squealing and just suffering oh my gosh. so much. Yeah. I mean, I used to get to the point where I'd vomit and I'd pass out and that would kind of be my monthly routine. I knew that a few days before I'd just 
everything would just start going haywire in my body. The first day, the second day, I'd just be vomiting, passing out, couldn't, just couldn't move, couldn't do anything. And that was even with painkillers. Mm-hmm. But if the if it kind of caught me before I before before I was prepared and I hadn't taken a painkiller, then I'd just get knocked out for hours. It was wow. um, yeah, it was it was hardcore. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's hardcore. Holy oh. moly. This is one area where we are not the same, Nicole. <laughs> oh, I'm glad to I'm glad to hear it. I'm looking forward to hearing your journey. Yeah, um, yes. So <laughs> I, I was a bit of a late bloomer, I guess is what you'd say. So um, I didn't start until, I can't even see my sophomore year, but that does not mean anything to you, until I was like 15, 16, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. And I remember it very well because to me, it was like everybody else was way ahead, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is what it felt like. And here I am just waiting. And I remember one girl saying to me, oh, you can go have sex unprotected and not worry about getting pregnant because you've never had your period. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and what if it is, you know, what if it is when my cycle, my cycle starts like this is, that's just the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> but I mean, I remember it being like that. And I was a, a cheerleader. Um, and so when it did start, it started when we were at a state championship football game. So oh, nice. which, yeah, American football, not soccer, but American football game. Yes. So I remember when it happened and I remember being so thankful that I was on the cheerleading squad because of course there's a bunch of other girls, they mm-hmm. had stuff for me to use, but it, it, you know, it came not that big of a deal then, right. I guess, you know, mm-hmm. like it wasn't an emergency and I was older and I was expecting, and I'd been waiting on it for years. <laughs> so I was, I was cool with it. Um, and then I've never, I mean, I do get cramps. I've never had them near as bad as what you've described. Mm. Um, my family tends to have endometriosis. Um, I am, I've me having my uterus still, (laughs) it's kind of a miracle in my family. Uh, yeah, my mom, I think she had hers out early thirties. One of my cousins, she had she had to have one when she was 23. Mm. Um, she had a really painful experience, um, just because of endometriosis. And so I've had a couple of times when I've thought that maybe I was having that. Um, I even had surgery one time because it was really bad. It turned out I'd had an appendicitis (laughs) and they operated on your uterus. Yeah. They went, they went in and they're like, Oh wait, that's not, there's nothing here, but this appendix does not look good. So they had to like call in a different doctor to come do the surgery. I remember waking up and they said, Oh, we gave you an appy. And to me, I have, I have no reference, right? I'm thinking I have endometriosis. I'm thinking maybe I've had a hysterectomy. I have no idea what's going on. (laughs) And and to me, an appy is an Appaloosa horse. And I was like, you gave me a horse. (laughs) (laughs) So I still have it. And yeah, it turned out to be, I need an appendectomy instead, but yeah. And so through like my twenties, when you were going through this whole detox thing, I was happily doing the, um, the pill where it skips your periods, where you only have four periods a year and periods a year. Yeah. Just for a year. And I was so happy with that. Okay. Why, why would you do that? Why did you need to do that? Um, convenience because I I didn't understand, you know, I never been taught to understand 
the power and the good of going through that cycle. It was a nuisance. And, Mm. you know, we have this culture of wanting to be more male energy, I guess, maybe. And Mm -hmm. so why would you mess with it when you don't have to, you only have to do it four times a year. And so those four were pretty powerful, but that was it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then I went off birth control and, um, got pregnant almost immediately when, so I haven't had, I definitely had a very different adventure and relationship. Now, after I had kids and I became more crunchy mama, more (laughs) aware of chemicals and how many there are, I mean, just all the chemicals and tampons themselves um, and drugs, you know, having drugs in your system. And Mm. the, I remember I got into this group at one point that was like the power of your period, because I was trying to not use birth control, um, but also not get pregnant. Yes. (laughs) And so, you know, going through and learning from all of that as well. Um, is when I really started like, oh, there's a lot more to this than I ever thought. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we've definitely had very different paths in this. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, my 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 relationship did take a turn, probably mm-hmm. around my around my early thirties, thirties, early thirties. I guess when I really started to step a bit more into my into my womanhood um, and accept it more became a lot more accepting and I think that's a key word here really and from the literature and the things that I've studied and and learned accepting your cycle and accepting that it's part of your journey as a as a as a female um, Mm -hmm. is an important it's an important part of of the pain as well the pain or the lack of pain Yes. I'm not saying obviously that was very real what I went through, but maybe oh, yeah. I'd have had other tools, mental tools, um, a different understanding of what, what it was that I, that was happening in my body, then maybe it would have, maybe, I don't know, it may, may have been an easier experience, mm-hmm. but, um, I decided in sort of my early thirties, like I said, to take a different approach so mm-hmm. I got to a point where I was only taking, say, one painkiller the first day or two painkillers mm-hmm. just on the first day, just to kind of, you know, keep things calm mm-hmm. and, and then only take another painkiller if I needed it. Right. But if I could manage with the discomfort, then I would just kind of go with the discomfort. And I started using things like Moxa. My mum's an acupuncturist, so she you know, taught me how to use Moxa and things. And I found that really. What is Moxa? So moxa, um, it comes in loads of different forms. It's basically something that creates a lot of heat and it comes from Chinese and Japanese medicine. So there's different forms of it. There's some that you can put directly on the skin and you kind of, you burn it. It's almost like an incense, but you need to be careful not to burn the skin. Or you get others that come in sticks. I've got some that look like cigarettes, for example, and you burn it and then you kind of, you wave it over the area that hurts without touching the skin and the heat penetrates and gets right into right into the the area that's uh, that's causing you causing you problems. There are loads of different formats that it comes in. Mm-hmm. So I started using that. I started using Moxa and found that really really helpful. And then I started to kind of decide, okay, well I'm going to leave the painkillers and see if I can manage this just with Moxa. Mm-hmm. And I started to be able to do that. And obviously, when I got in t- got involved with DoTerra, and they've got this amazing oil called Deep Blue. Oh yeah. <laughs> This oil has completely changed my entire existence. 
because if ever now I have any kind of menstrual discomfort in my ovaries or something, I take the oil, I roll it over my ovaries and over my womb. And then within 20 minutes, I'm settled. You know, if I get woken up in the middle of the night because there's discomfort, I'll grab my oil, roll it over that area. And within 20 minutes, I'm back to sleep. That for me before was like impossible to even think of. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yes, I do. So now since I don't use birth control and I, you know, I'm crunchy, I guess. I don't know. What else I'm not quite sure it. what crunchy means. Um, so in America, it means like granola E. So the, it, it, I don't know. It's, it's a term. It's an American term. So, um, it means like, um, being very natural, all okay. natural. Okay. Yes. That's what it means. There we go. So since I'm more all natural now and, you know, cause as you learn, you do better. Mm-hmm. And so with that, I do now have I cramps that I haven't had, that I didn't experience people, you know, I didn't experience them because I was only having four periods a year or whatever. And so yes, holy moly, that deep blue helps. It's, it's amazing how much that Mm. really, really helps. The other thing, so you talked about heat and rice bags is what my go-to was like heating Mm. up a rice bag, you know, rice and fabric. Yeah. 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 I mean, I had a problem with hot water bottles because I just became so attached. I mean, I'm also quite cold. I feel the cold a lot and Mm -hmm. I just became so attached to hot water bottles. I ended up burning my, my, um, like the, even the under layer of the skin, I think I'd burnt so deeply through. So it wasn't actually like a a burn on the surface of the skin. It was just like this accumulated burn from having this hot water bottle for for ages. I'm talking, you know, it was like just continuous use throughout the winter and even more so when I was menstruating. And it Mm -hmm. got to the point where if I exposed my belly to the sun, for example, all of this kind of red patchiness would come up. So, oh my goodness. Yeah. So eventually that got taken away from me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I can see why. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there's so much information out there now that probably wasn't yes. available when you and I were growing up. There's so much yeah. awareness and, and women that have come forward to, to study the menstrual cycle, to learn about the menstrual cycle, to embrace it and to share their journeys and share the information that they found about it. So mm-hmm. I don't feel like I particularly received an education on what the menstrual cycle is all about. I mean, I remember at school, sex education was kind of like, this is a tampon and make sure you don't leave that in for too long. Cause you'll get that kind of I can't yep. remember what toxic shock syndrome. Oh, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And this is a, you know, a sanitary towel and this is how you, how you need to use it. And I, I, you know, I kind of don't remember it being that focused on, on the journey, more just about kind of the, 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 the practical the elements. Symptoms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, very much the same in the States. And I, I know in the States, I don't, I know that in European countries, they do a better job of banding like chemicals and stuff, but mm-hmm. the amount of chemicals that are in the ones in the States is outrageous. Wow. So we're, you know, we're just teaching these girls who are just doing the best they can with the education Mm -hmm. that they have. And so they're literally sticking toxins up their hoo-ha. Yes. (laughs) And, and yeah, it's, Mm -hmm. 
yeah, that's a, that's a topic for another day, but yes. Yeah. I mean, there are alternatives. There's the moon cup, which has been around for quite a long time. And it now there's now a lot of companies that have copied that idea. Um, yes. Yeah. And I mean, I personally period panties. Yes. Those exactly. are my faves. Yeah. <laughs> I've not tried those before. But, Ooh. Um, I have to get involved. <laughs> yes. Yes. They're my fave. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's interesting how, you know, now we talked about this recently about how much things have shifted over the mm. last hundred years. And I think this is another thing that shifted over our lifetime. So over mm. the last 30 some to 47, 40, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not 40 yet. So almost 40 years, how yeah. much that has shifted. And, um, and before it was so taboo, I mean, you know, all of the horror movies in, you know, high school horror movies was of a girl wearing white pants and then having blood on her pants. And it was like Mm -hmm. this huge embarrassment. And so you're taught to really hide that. And so if you're Mm -hmm. hiding it, you're not going to talk about it. Yes. And you're not taught the empowerment. Yes. Part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, oh, the women, all they do is sit around and talk about periods. It's not like that's all we talk about. You know, it's just going back to what we said at the beginning. It's nice to understand that we have a shared experience, a collective experience that we can. And it's the whole cycle. It's not just Mm -hmm. about menstruation. It's not just about bleeding. It's it's um, the menopause, the whole cycle of the menopause. It's women that don't bleed, that don't have, you know, that that have different kinds of cycles. I used to have a friend who at 20 something years old started going through an, an early, early menopause. So oh. yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I'd never, I didn't even know that was something that was possible at the time. Yeah. So, yeah. It's something that is really important for us as, as a society to, to be able to open up about this and empower each other and give it, share information with each other in mm-hmm. a way that, you know, we're going to educate our girls in a different way, the next generation in a different way, so that it's not something they feel they have to hide. This is a natural part of nature. Yes. And it's yes. something that needs to be respected. Absolutely. Absolutely. We should not, just because we are female, we should not have to hide it. We should not have to... You know, I'm not saying that everybody wants to walk around with blood on their pants. That's not what I'm saying. What mm-hmm. I'm saying is that it shouldn't be so taboo. Like I, re- for years, I didn't even like buying tampons in the store. I would hide it under, I would go pick up something else that I needed and hide it, hide the tampons under whatever else I was buying. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be like that. Yeah. It's natural. Like it's really interesting. So you were saying right when we were talking about, right before we started about how different culture, we, we were kind of discussing how different cultures treat it differently. And you said in some cultures, it's kind of a sacred. It, yeah, it is. In some tribes, it's, it, it's recognized as the sacred, the sacred cycle that it is. So when women are bleeding, they go to like a separate kind of camp, if you like, a separate tent where they can come together, they can sing and chant, look after each other, rest, relax, and just embrace the process as they go through the bleed. And that's respected by the rest of the community because they understand the the, the, the value and the beauty in that. You know, mm-hmm. I've been reading a couple of books. I'm going to name drop a couple of books here. First, the first okay. one is Wild Power, um, I can't remember the names of the authors. It's Alexandra and Shani, but I can't remember their second names. And another book called Period Power. And this is the kind of education that I'm talking about, the kind mm-hmm. of wisdom that has probably been around for centuries, but in our culture 
has not been available or has probably, you know, whatever, it's not been available. I've, this is the first time I'm 37. This is the first time I'm coming across this sort of education. Yes. Yeah. No, I, one, yes, exactly what you just said is that I've experienced the same thing. You know, I didn't, I didn't know, but now I am becoming more aware of it because of things Mm -hmm. like this. I have not read either of those books, but I was a part of that one community must not be, I heard period power from you earlier. Mm. I don't remember what the community name was, but it was really enlightening. And, um, yeah, it really helped me on my journey and it, it opened up my mind for other possibilities mm. besides the shame yeah. of going through something natural. Yeah. 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 You were mentioning before about, um, something that I didn't know about girls that kind of get shunted off. Yes. Yeah. So there's many in other cultures. So there's, like you said, this, that's a really amazing because I've heard the exact opposite happening in several cultures where the women are banished from the group. So it's not like they're going and it's luxurious. It's like banished in a, in like a hut that, that, you know, they're not supported. They're not allowed to go to school. They're not allowed to be a part of society. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, like what you're saying, where it's a ritual, where it's a nicety, it's like a banishment. Mm. Um, and for, you know, young girls, that's really scary. Mm. And so there's this really amazing organization called days for girls. And what they have done is they have, um, went into these communities, they've made reusable sanitary napkins, Mm. um, And they've gone to these communities and given these little satchels to these girls. So that way they can actually attend, they have a way to take care of it. So they can actually continue to go to school. Mm. Um, And they also have education, teaching women about their cycles, about how birth happens, you know, about how, about the the power in in there, in themselves and empowering them with this knowledge, because it's just wasn't completely understood, like Mm. why they were bleeding or, you know, and trying to educate educate them and educate the community that, you know, they don't really need to be banished. There's not, there's nothing wrong with them. This is natural. This is supposed to happen. Yeah. And so, and it's, it's yeah. Days for girls. And it's just, it really helps, helps girls stay in school, which I mean, education is hard in a lot of these communities already, but to have another reason why you're missing school and then trying to catch up. Can you imagine every month trying to catch up from a week of school that you've missed? That would just Mm -hmm. be really hard. Yeah, yeah. I just want to give a shout out while it's in my mind to Scotland, because during the lockdown or during all of this pandemic craziness, I think Scotland has become one of the first countries. And it happened a month ago or a couple of months ago. I think we're recording this in March of 2021. Mm -hmm. Scotland made all sanitary products available for free to people that couldn't afford them. Wow. That's incredible. That's Mm. incredible. Because it is. I mean, if you are somebody who is trying to choose food or tampons, mm-hmm. you're probably going to choose food. Yeah. So yeah, that's great. That's incredible. Yeah. So we are making progress as a society, but it's, it's slow, isn't it? It's, yes. it's very slow and there's still, there's still leaps and bounds for us to go. But mm-hmm. I think the first step really is education and awareness and people like you and I starting to love and respect our cycles and embrace our cycles 
Mm-hmm. And I, I actually really, really enjoy my cycle now. I'm, I'm really starting to become much more aware of how I'm feeling at different points in my cycle. I have days and I'm not, mm-hmm. I've never been one of these people that gets really kind of emotionally unstable. I used to get maybe sometimes a few days before I'll get a little bit teary or I'll be watching a film like Love Actually and I'll be like bawling my eyes out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which I wouldn't normally do. You know, you just get right. you feel a bit more sensitive. Um, and I remember a couple of months ago, a couple of days before my period, I mean, I was just like laughing, crying, laughing, crying, but not anger. It wasn't an anger thing. It was just kind of like funny. And it was, it was mm-hmm. funny. I took it in good humor, you know? So it's like, okay, right. I'm joking with my mom and with Vinicius. This is how I'm feeling. We can all have a uh-huh. laugh about it. It's fine. You know, I recognize, I recognize yes. And I think once you start to really recognize where you're at and how, how you're feeling with it and start Mm -hmm. to just embrace it and play with it and and respect it, it becomes a completely different journey. Yes. Yes. I know that there's certain parts of my cycles where I feel low. Like I just, I'm not as buoyant. I'm not as Mm. happy. I'm a little bit more doom and gloom, which is not normally me. Mm. Um, So it's probably means I'm like the average person instead of roses and (laughs) sunshine all the time. But Um, but there's definitely parts in my cycle where I feel like I can take on the world. Like I feel Mm -hmm. so empowered and I'm like that during that time is when I like get shit done. Oh, Hey, you have to read wild power. It's an audio book. It's going to tell you all about the different seasons in your cycle. And exactly. They talk about that season, the superwoman, you know, season where you're Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I can do fucking anything. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's my favorite. (laughs) But they also talk about understanding and working with the other seasons in the cycle, mm-hmm. right? So they, they say mm-hmm. there's there's spring, summer, autumn, and, and winter, and oh. each season in the cycle has Yay. its purpose. And yeah. 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 So do you have like a, a short cycle, a long cycle? Like, do you know, like overall, like I know me personally, I am three weeks, like two weeks off, one week on. That is mine. <laughs> Yeah, I probably, I think my, my cycle is like 24 days. Normally it's around that, around that 23, Mm -hmm. 24 days. I don't Mm -hmm. think that I'm kind of, um, like clockwork. I know some, some women are like, yep, nope, today's the day. And I'm like, oh no, maybe I'm just not organized enough to know that. I don't know. I don't know down to the day either, (laughs) (laughs) but I know that I'm like, okay, it's going to be coming here pretty soon. Mm -hmm. Somewhere in here. Yeah. 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 My boobs. Uh, something's moving. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's one thing I was really surprised about when I went off birth control. I was like, what is going on? Yeah. I'm not nursing. Why is this hurting? Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever find that yours blow up like balloons and it's just like, it's painful just carrying them around? <laughs> yes, yes. And I have like nothing. I don't have very much to start with. And so I'm like, whoa, look at this. I got this for like two days, yes. but it hurts. <laughs> so don't, don't touch. Yes. Don't come near them. You can look at them from a distance. You can look at them from a distance, but that's it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh. I, you. <laughs> I just said that on a podcast. Okay. okay. <laughs> Empowerment. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so I feel like we've covered quite a lot here and I, I, I've really enjoyed too. this conversation and we've, me we've too. dropped some good bits of information and, you know, reference, reference things for people to look up. I really recommend the wild power book and the period power book. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to download 
wildflower first. I'm excited. Yeah, and in a couple of weeks, we're going to have an awesome guest on the show who's going to be able yes. to tell us even more about all of this. Yes, yes. Um, Kelly and her last name slips my mind at the moment, but we, we will have it at the, when we do the next one. And she has a whole, if you're ready to learn more, it, be look be on the lookout for this one because it's, it's going to be amazing. I was super excited when we were, we'd met and we were just talking and bantering with each other. And this came up and I was like, oh my goodness, you've got to come and be on our show because this is something Nicole and I talk about frequently. So awesome. Yeah. Amazing. So thank you so much, my friend. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you everybody for listening and hanging out with us. Um, Thank you for making it to the end of this podcast. I know for some people, this is still taboo. So good on you. I'm, I'm glad that you, you listened with us and um, we will be back in two weeks. So signing off, I'm Tiffany. And I'm Nicole. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.